Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. This week, I have a conversation. A good old chat with Dr. Mike Sinclair, so I'm not going to bang on too much before we go straight into the conversation. Next week, I'll do a bumper issue of News and Reviews. But in the meantime, why not just sit back, relax, maybe get a brew on, and listen on. Particularly towards the end, we get Mike's takeaway, which he developed for this very podcast. And we also get a new metaphor, which I love and I've already used, actually. So, enjoy. So, uh, P-Supers, I'm delighted to be joined here in this rather grand meeting room with our friend and act colleague, Dr. Mike Sinclair. Mike, welcome to People Soup. Thank you very much, Ross. I'm really, really pleased to be here. Oh, bless you. Thank really you. Pleased. Thank yeah. you. So, and in this fine location as well. Which I, is I, only the best. <laughs> only the best for my boys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. Um, now, I've done some research. I have a research department. Let me just tell you what my research says, and then maybe you can expand on that. So it says I'm consultant psychologist and clinical director of City Psychology Group. It says prolific author. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, by my count, help me out here. I think there's three books. There's the, I, forgive me if I get the name a little bit wrong, but I'll put all these in the show notes. There's the Little Act Workbook. There's a Little Act Workbook. Yes, there's that. There's and actually just, just, well, maybe we can fill in the gaps, but there's actually five books, not three books. Oh, blimey. I'm uh, sort of blowing my own I, I am going to um, <laughs> fire my research department, forward slash myself. Indeed. Yes. So, so the Little Act Workbook. There is the uh, Mindfulness for Busy People. Yeah. Second edition. Right. There's Working with Mindfulness. Yeah. There's the Little CBT Workbook. Wow. And then there's also Fear and Self-Loathing in the City, a guide to keeping sane in the square mile. Mate, I didn't know there were five. I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed at this, but... Um, <laughs> I wish wow. you had done your research. Before. I know. And how, over what time period were they published? Um, mm, well, I think the, fir- the first book was Fear and Self-Loathing in the City. I um, love that title. It's a good one, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That um, essentially is a kind of CBT self-help text. That came out in, um, ee, I'm so bad with dates, but I think about 2008. Just just for our P-Supers, just in case you're not sure what CBT is, it's Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. That's right, yeah. CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty much a kind of a guide for, for city workers, sort of high-performing, yeah. functioning people that are working in the city. Wow. Sort of financial district, a self-help text, as I say. Yeah. Um, touching on a whole range of kind of um, common problems that people may experience. So particularly wow. within a kind of mental health context, so mm. thinking about low mood and anxiety and stress at work and so forth with a kind of CBT angle. Yeah. Gosh. So yeah, there's that. And then yeah. there was, uh, next was the little CBT workbook. Right. And then the others, as I say. So you yeah. asked me about the time frame, excuse me. And um, <laughs> well, the, the last book was the little act workbook, mm. which came out uh, 2016, I think, the end of the 2016. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, we might come back to those books sure. if we're drawing on particular elements, but I'll make sure I put, like I say, I'll put all the details on the on the show notes so people can check them out. Thank you. Now, I'm a bit worried about the rest of my research notes yeah. now because they might also be flawed. Um, it's, I called you a co-facilitator at the ACT space. The, oh, yes. The, yeah. the practice group, the peer practice supervision group. And we'll come back to that, I think, towards the end. We'll give that a shout out at the end. Okay, great, yes. And here, here's some, here's some more of my research. I've written here... 
the capacity to light up a room with energy and joy. <laughs> this is how I experience <laughs> you, Mr. Mike Sinclair. I really get that, that energy and that um, vitality from you whenever I meet you. That's so nice to hear. We, Thank we, first, you very met, much. we first met on Twitter because I was trying to reflect on this. And um, then we met, I think it was at a Ross Harris boot camp in that Cecil Sharp house, you know, that big... Oh, yes, in Camden, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you came over and you were so welcoming and friendly. It was lovely. It was so nice to put a face to a name exactly. at that time, or a Twitter name, yeah. But I always, I always experience you like that. That's so. really, really nice feedback. I don't think I've ever heard that from anyone ever before, so thank oh. you very much. Well, hang on, I haven't finished <laughs> my notes finished. yet. Yeah. The other one says... Sharp-dressed man. Whoa! <laughs> if ever you decided on a career change, I thought maybe you could have a highly successful career as a model. <laughs> P-Supers, he's got the look. P-Supers, you can't <laughs> see me, but my face is a bright blue <laughs> right now. <laughs> that, that's because I, I speak the truth, man. <laughs> um, You're too kind, Ross, too kind. So, so is there anything you'd like to add to that bio or...? Um, well, no, I think you, well, <laughs> you got me there. In terms of my personal kind of qualities, I'll, I'll leave that for you to sort of observe and report. Yeah. But um, uh, certainly, so I am a, a counselling psychologist, a trained counselling psychologist, and mm. as you say, a consultant one. So i sort of done my service in the NHS, uh, moved out of there and set up a, a private practice, which you, you, you mentioned there called mm. CPG, which stands for City Psychology Group. Yeah. Um, I spend... Most of my days, uh, each day, part of each day, providing, well, doing direct clinical work mm. with people. I also do a lot of supervision, particularly act-based supervision. And it's a full-time job running this, this practice, really. Mm. So I'm in meetings with stakeholders and clients and thinking about their needs and developing our services. Wow. And that's kind of what I get up to um, yeah. day to day. And how many psychologists work at the City Psychology Group? Well, we're, we're ever-expanding, and that's the kind of business model for now. It's just wow. more. Uh, so currently we're, we're, on, we're 27 strong. Um, these are not full-time practitioners. Sure. So and you're expanding still. We, we are expanding. That's the, the new business model. Quite yeah. Moving into a, a new phase and, and the model, which I've been advised about really, and I'm part of developing, is just yeah. more of the same. Yeah. It's interesting. I was speaking to a fellow friend who's an org- organizational psychologist like me yes. um, last night, and he was saying there's more and more need for psycholo- psychological interventions in the workplace, people who are at work, but also dealing with their whole lives. Absolutely. And yeah. I think employers are recognizing that more. more. More and more so, I think. Yeah. And I suppose we you know, have you know, moved ourselves into that niche in a way, um, and so we're developing our services and particularly going sort of on-site into mm. Um, organizations to you know provide this service so they're more accessible for people people are, are, are making appointments but it's it's within their the, the four walls that they work so you know they just they just move oh. down from their desk and come in and, and see us with an appointment in place yeah that makes it so accessible yeah I think that's really important um, is, that, is that quite innovative that I, I think so in terms of what I'm hearing sort of ear to the ground mm. that's what's going on companies asking us like how can yeah. we get this to people because people are reluctant to leave the office um, mm. Because to be seen to be leaving the office, and they feel like if they leave the office, then they're falling behind. So you know, in terms of the, limiting the time that they're away from their desk, is what I'm saying. So yeah. yeah, it's becoming more popular. The demand is there, and we're there to meet the demand or to to be on site. Just just kind of thinking aloud, yeah. I wonder if that makes that more normalizes it a bit. 
I don't know whether people would reveal where they were going. Well, well this is the thing. So we, with different organizations, we've had this discussion. Yeah. And it's worked out differently. So within a couple of organizations, we work within the medical center. Got so it, yeah. we're in the same place where GPs sit, um, physios, dentists, stuff right. like that. So, um, and so people can easily sort of um, be seen or be assumed to be going to see a medical mm. profession, which is much more acceptable. Yeah. Um, so other companies that don't have that facility on site, a kind of medical center, they're more less keen to have mm. um, sites sort of um, on site because people because of the uh, confidentiality aspect. Yeah. So there is an issue around that still. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is really part of the whole problem, really, um, in terms of mental health in the workplace. That it's seen as, Yeah. I'm, I'm going for this appointment because I'm kind of broken well, well this is it or, so you know in, in my experience anyway in the clients we work mm. with any any sign of weakness or vulnerability or not mm. coping uh, particularly mentally um is is you know often severely frowned upon but i wanted to go back to um act yes act is where we met yes. we were twitter buddies on thinking about act and then we met at a, a Russ Harris, one of the ACT dudes. I think it was a boot camp. Was it called boot camp? Yeah, it I think so. Yes, yeah, quite... um, But, um, yeah, so what, when, when did you first come across ACT? Can you remember when you, you first alighted on it? I think, my memory is terrible, but I think it was around early noughties, sort of okay. 2002, three, yeah. something like this, where um, I was lucky enough to be working with a couple of colleagues I hadn't heard of ACT at the time. Um, a colleague from uh, who's, who both ACT trained, one internationally, mm. so trained in the States, and also one in, in Australia, in Sydney. All right. And they were working with me at CPG. They, they came to London, they were working with us. Um, and so they introduced me to ACT. Mm. And I think that um, intuitively, I was sort of working with some of these fundamental principles, but right. in a much less kind of informed, developed, mm. or, or structured way. At all. Mm. You know, just... Um, particularly the kind of uh, process focus kind of work that we mm. do in ACT um, um, was something that I was doing, um, yeah. I think. Um, and I can't believe I'm committing this to a recording because at the time I was a CBT therapist, a cognitive behavioral therapist, but I basically didn't do that and I was kind of focusing on that <laughs> one process. I remember coming home... Your secret's safe. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> Pete Supers will be kind about that. I am... Um, I remember coming home to my partner one day, just yeah. sort of saying, like, "Oh my god, I've got this! It's 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 relatively simple. Yeah. Everyone, we're all the same. We're all struggling in the same sort of ways. We're yeah. kind of caught up in the same struggles with our experiences, and it doesn't mm. really matter whether someone's sort of depressed or anxious mm. per se. It's more about these these processes. So I remember I remember that was around the same time that these colleagues had said, "Have you seen this thing called ACT?" And mm. um, I said, "No, like let me." Let me look. Like, what's this about? And it was fantastic. You know, I was yeah. really blown away by it. Um, I think that um, it gave me a framework to put all this yeah. stuff in. And I learned so much more that, as I said, I, I didn't know about, of course, um, in terms of the model. Um, and I was kind of hungry for, for more and more. Um, there wasn't a lot of formal training going on in London anyway mm. at that time. I think um, Eric Morris and, and Joe were uh, had a few events and organized a few yeah. talks and, and this and that. But... I was really hungry for something a bit more intensive. So you, you mentioned a boot camp earlier, the yeah. Harris one. And I, what I did was I, a bit all or nothing kind of guy at that time. So I kind of booked myself onto a, a boot camp over in Reno. 
um, in like, oh, wow. again, yeah, and just flew over there, uh, a bit petrified of what I was going to find and what I was going to. Money, that's the, that's what we would call an act. That's a bit of a bold move. It was man. a bold move. I was oh. I was living and breathing act. Yeah, like, <laughs> wow. Um, there were a million and one reasons my mind was giving me that I shouldn't be going doing this, but I just hopped on the plane anyway. Yeah. It was important to me. I felt really passionate about what I was learning. Yeah, and, and it was great. I mean, I learned so much there and met with a really cool bunch of people, um, really progressive, really passionate mm. about the work. So, and I kind of didn't look back. I think from then, um, as we, as you know, we, we've been on workshops since uh, yeah. around the UK. Yeah. yeah. I think personally, it's spoken to me a huge amount as well, Max, um, and been quite helpful to me throughout my life. Um, anything that anything that that's, that kind of sticks in your mind about how personally it's been used? Because I do think that us us act practitioners, people using it, I think there's some really quite interesting nuggets around that about how we use it for ourselves. I think that because we're living it, it helps us convey it to other people. Yeah, I think that's that's really commonly the case yeah, with other yeah. practitioners that I speak to. Um, I think we do embody yeah. principles and, and apply the model to ourselves and, and our way of life and living. Um, for me, I, I think in a work context particularly, it's yeah. been incredibly helpful. I mean, um, running CPG um, and being sort of my own boss effectively is, well, literally, is... Um, it's tough going and mm. you know I can really in fact I have you know sort of burnt myself out once or twice mm. um, by not applying act as, as, as a caveat yeah. so um, I think that it really helps me stay on track in terms of you know what's important and I've got this really kind of relentless dictator in my mind uh, just one that says <laughs> love that description you, you, know, yeah. you, you can't rest now you know you need to get this done you need to get that done and you can have the fun and relaxation yeah. and the, all that stuff later so it's kind of delayed kind of satisfaction it's yeah. delayed enjoyment in life can really um, happen for me when there's dictators in the, in the driving seat and um, I, I think acts really helped me sort of watch that uh, track mm. that and realise that that's not actually the most helpful yeah, approach to all this, um, and has what is what sort of when, when he's in control, this dictator. You know, that's when I end up sort of burning myself out. It's, it's just that yeah. simple. So, acts help help me to really you know focus on on other meaningful aspects of my life, um, things that have always been important, but I lose lose sight on. You know, particularly when I'm sort of driven to avoid failing and sort yeah. of you know, this kind of thing with with the business, particularly. I love um, I love the way you describe it as the dictator. Yeah, and the impact. Because that's that sounds really strong and a bit scary, but dominating. You've just described him. Yeah, yeah. He, he's very much that. Um, he's telling me that I shouldn't 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 have any fun. You know, I can have fun, but once I've done X, Y, and Z, and I, I tend to listen to him at times, um, which is yeah to my own detriment. Yeah. Um, there's also a self doubter up there somewhere as well, right? <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. <laughs> so at times, you know, she's there and she's telling me that you know uh, you can't do this and you can't do that. You're not good enough, basically. Um, wow. To do this and that. So you know, getting a perspective on these thoughts, getting a perspective yeah. on them, and standing back from them, and realizing that you know I, I understand that they're trying to protect me, but ultimately, um, it's just not workable. It's not helpful. Yeah, and I. Not, not just to these preferred aspects yeah. of my life where I'm enjoying myself, but also to work because I'm no good to anyone when I'm burnt out. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. And I love the way you describe Mrs. Doubtfire and the di- dictator because yeah. I think the more people like you and me can talk about this and I see one of, one of my roles in organisations is to normalise this stuff. And, and sometimes I think, am I oversharing? Mm. <laughs> Talking about my own, my own passengers like my 
head of drama who catastrophizes everything. Yeah. But I think we're just really saying for people, this is what the, this is what it's like being a human. This is what it's like for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the expert in being me. And I'm guessing you might have something a little bit similar or different, but the way you describe it, like it leads to burnout. Mm. And yeah. then noticing that and knowing that and then being able to divert your attention to, is it to other areas of your life? Yeah, well, also, you know, this quite reflects on what, what really matters to me. Mm. So, you know, what's personally meaningful. Yeah. Um, and as I say, it's, it's at the cost of these things when I'm working at that kind of level. Um, mm. So, yeah, fun, enjoyment, free time, self-care, looking after myself, mm. just spending time on, you know, watching DVDs or, or whatever it is, is, is something that I just I delay all the time. Well, not yeah. all the time, but when the dictator's in charge. So um, it's, it's connecting with that. And once I am connected with that, it's kind of reinforcing because it's mm. really... Um, you know, I make contact with that experience again, and it reminds me of how much, how meaningful it is. Yeah. And so we, it just means that I do more and more of it. It has a bit of a, sight, a life of its own in that respect. So by being in contact with the experience of of, yeah. of living what's important, exactly, it helps. It helps you realize, hey, this is this is what it's about. That's it. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's, it's reinforcing. I like what you say about the um, you know us us sort of talking about our own experience uh, yeah. and particularly in, in, the, in the direct client work that we do in, mm. in yourself as a coach and myself yeah. as a clinician and um, I think it's it's really important part of, of this work that we do and the kind of equality uh, yeah they're all in the same boat absolutely um, and in, in group stuff as well mm. the research we're doing at, at City Uni yes we're doing quantitative research but also quals ah. and in the in the in the qualitative interviews, we're finding that people remember the stuff that I've disclosed about my relationship with cycling, how I got back into cycling, or just small things that I might share. They remember them. So uh, in my doubting mind, occasionally will think, oh, maybe I'm oversharing. Oversharing, yes. yes. Or because I I do really believe it it helps normalize and, and helps carry a message, but sometimes I do have that nagging doubt is it is this too much but the evidence is telling me no yes, so right. yeah so i think brilliant and, and similarly i mean in my practice if, if i could say i mean i think you know working with um sort of high performing kind of executives mm. i mean the last thing that they want to hear is that you know they they're doing something wrong or that they're broken in some way yeah. or that they failed in what they've been doing mm. so sort of normalizing the kind of strategies they've mm. been using letting them know that you know i might use the same and yeah. lots of other people do yeah and um, is, is is really quite helpful i think um, yeah and get some buy-in i think it's not that you know we're replacing what they're doing we're not eradicating mm. it it just may not be workable yeah so i think that when we're all in the same boat and emphasizing that i mean um, and letting people know that you know any any other person would have tried exactly the same um yeah. it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you um it just means that you know, what, what's got you here may not get you where you want to get to. Yeah, and then you said that, it really, I love that word, workable, mm-hmm. or workability. That's it, yeah. What are we doing that, that's workable and kind of useful? Yeah. And what are we doing that maybe we're not really noticing, but just not workable and keeps us maybe stuck in a, in a kind of really unproductive kind of loop? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Again, I think that's, you know, often what's, what's going on with the clients mm. that are coming in to see yeah. us. They're sort of stuck in this kind of... Um, loop this stuck loop yeah right, between this kind of yeah uh, these, these experiences that they don't want and these really unworkable strategies yeah. um, in terms of trying to get rid of them and unworkable because the more they engage in them the less in contact with the things that are important to them in their life they are they, that, that, that they ask you no thank you i think you're right yeah are you, are you seeing any any 
any trends in, in what people are seeking your services for? Any issues at all? That might be a completely deft question. So. No, I think it's a very, very appropriate question, a very helpful one to ask. I think that, you know, in terms of what people are kind of coming for help with, mm. um, invariably it's about, you know, um, exhaustion and burnout, mm. um, um, anxiety in the workplace, these sorts of things. Um, a whole host of also sort of physical manifestations of their stress, so med- often medically unexplained things. So the fatigue, again, which mm. they can't put a finger on, doctors say, or um, this exhaustion kind of presentation, but sort of aches and pains mm. and so forth. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think with our act hats on, we can sort of start to understand all this a bit more mm. and what's going on for people. Um, and as you're saying, you know, they're often in this kind of stock loop that we were just talking about, mm. um, uh, you know, this often sort of translates into a, a kind of boom and bust cycle where people are working really hard um, they're um, excessively working in order to mm. sort of avoid or control or suppress these you know, uncomfortable experiences of, of, of failure, of, of weakness, mm. of vulnerability in the workplace, being seen as weak, as not coping, so they're working excessively. And inevitably, they kind of, they fall unwell. It's, it's not sustainable. And mm. um, some of the working hours that, you know, people are, are talking to me about them doing, I mean, we're talking mm. about sort of 23 hour days, stuff like this, with an hour's sleep, if they manage to switch off at all. Um, Crikey. Consecutively, that, that, you know. That's just horrifying. I mean, I, I think of that in relation to the NHS sometimes, but yeah. I, I don't, it's not always on my radar that people in, say, the financial industry are doing hours like that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I think that, you know, even more sort of senior managers or, or business leaders do the same thing. But mm. When we're looking at sort of the younger crowd, sort of um, interns or young traders, I mean, they're putting these hours in consecutively day after day after day. Again, it's about sort of, you know, moving towards or trying to prove themselves at mm. an early stage of their career and putting in the hours. Um, and it, it invariably leads to, to burnout. And mm. It's kind of bust part of the boom and bust cycle where they, 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 they come off work, they, they come out of work, they're, they're mm. sick, they're unwell, usually with a physical kind of complaint. Um, and then when they're at home, they if they're lucky enough to sort of switch off yeah. and try and stand back from their mind that's worrying about missing all the work and what people are thinking about them, they take rest, you know, they're able to yeah. physically rest. They get back to work, but they just fall back into old patterns again, the same, repeating the same behavior yeah. patterns. So I think that, you know, this at work can really help shine a light on, 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 on these experiences mm. for people and sort of um, tracking their kind of direct experience. Um, you know, when, when sort of stuff shows up, you tend to respond to it like this, but the consequence ends up like this. Yeah. And is that workable for you? Is that what you want? Again, as I was saying earlier, my own experience, not just because... It, it may be moving them away from other valued aspects of their mm. life outside of work, but also who do they want to be in the workplace? Do they want to yeah. be this unreliable, this this person that's always off sick? Uh, do they want to be like not present? You know, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, unsupported, or do they want to be there? So, sort of putting it back into sort of a, a work arena, mm. thinking about you know how do you want to be here in this workplace can help people start to recognise that the strategies they're using yeah. are not the most effective. You, you're talking there about having some some content that was coming up that maybe they're moving away from so they work even harder. Mm. Is that like the stuck loops, the, the loops we were talking about? Absolutely, yes. So so, I'm mm. having this, these thoughts or these emotions that are uncomfortable, so I'm going to move away from them. And I might move away from them by just doing another couple of hours of work. Well, or, exactly. I mean, the, the kind of range of behaviours that yeah. you know, sort of function to avoid this, this uncomfortable content yeah. is, is endless, as we know, but it's typically working longer and harder. Yeah. Uh, but it could be 
equally drinking, taking drugs. Um, sure. You know, um, it could be, um, you know, working. I was working with a lady recently who, in order to avoid, you know, these things of failure in the workplace and, and kind of other people negatively appraising her in terms mm. of showing any signs of anxiety or stress, mm. she would take herself out of the kind of um, open plan office and into a, a private kind of office for herself um, in order to hide that from people, but ultimately to suppress those feelings of, of vulnerability that she was experiencing within the open plan office. Uh, but this led her away from what really mattered to her in the workplace, mm-hmm. sort of connecting with people, uh, being seen to be supported with her colleagues, being a team member and so forth. So once she was able to get her eyes on that, she was able to think about, well, maybe it's worth developing some skills here where she can respond differently to this content. Again, this content being this kind of vulnerability is yeah. um, not good enough. Um, yeah. Wow. It's shocking the, the pickles we can get ourselves into in, yeah. in the workplace. Well, I, I think so. But, you know, the, the context really matters here. The, mm. the context, the kind of uh, the, the work context, which is people are operating, is, is really important to, yeah. to understand all this. It's quite a... Um, you know, an unforgiving environment at times. Um, it's incredibly pressurized. Um, it's quite cutthroat. Yeah. It's competitive. Um, you know, people are, are trying their best to sort of um, reach goals um, of, of, of yeah. you know, status, of having influence, <clears throat> yeah. financial reward. Um, and they're on this kind of perpetual kind of um, uh, mission, really, to try and attain these these these, yeah. these things. And that's at the detriment. But the, the context is really important. Mm. Um, and it's all too easy for us to say, well, why aren't you doing less hours? Yeah. And, you know, that's not often met with you know, <laughs> yeah. very agreeable response. Because that's what I have to do, people say. You know, of course, they yeah. don't. Um, yeah. And what we can help people recognize is that these <clears throat> external things that they're yeah. after, particularly, you know, they're, they're kind of very separate from the self. They're very um, external to the self. Um, mm. They're things that are ultimately outside of people's control. So... They can keep striving to attain them, but ultimately they can never like pin them yeah, down and, and yeah. keep them. So, I think ACT really helps people to sort of refocus or redefine success in mm. terms of uh, rather than attaining these external things, but sort of thinking about well, how how consistently can I live according to what matters to me mm. within the workplace as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean about necessarily about working less. It could be, but it could be a very a bunch of other things as well. Mm. So, helping people to sort of redefine what success is for themselves in the workplace can be quite a helpful um, tool. Yeah, and as you said, that could be about the qualities they want to bring to work. Exactly, yeah. Right. To their interactions with people, in terms of looking after themselves in the workplace. Gosh. And do you think organisations are making efforts to change that context? In your experience, I don't know if people are coming to you saying, hey, Mike, can you and, and CPG help us change that context? Because I see that's part of my role sometimes in organisations to try and take that view of the whole shoot and shebang and the whole context that's being created in this. Or I might even call it culture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get involved in stuff like that? Yeah, I am involved in stuff <clears> like that, and I think there is a, a great move towards that changing the context as as you describe. Um, I think that there's still some way to go, yeah. um, and we can all live in hope. But I think there is there is certainly some some great initiatives going on mm. in programs. Um, I think that you know, fundamentally, psychological health matters a great deal at work. It's you know not just for the individual employee, <laughs> but for the, yeah. for the business, for the bottom line, for profitability. Um, it's good business strategy, and I think that when we put business a business case towards mm. uh, two businesses, they start to see that. Um, and I think that's 
how they start to listen, you know, is that when they see that actually they can become more profitable um, if if people are more psychologically well um, yeah. and more flexible as well. So I think that um, there is a move towards that, um, but more needs to be done. So Mike, the, the type of clients you have, they seem, it seems to me, the people you're perhaps working with are quite high performers. Would that be fair? I think that's a very fair comment to make, uh, Ross, yeah. So, and does act, does ACT appeal to them? Do you find that they, they get on board? Do you tell them it's ACT or do you just say, hey, this is what I'm going to do with you? Um, I usually talk about ACT. I usually mention right. it. They're, they're usually quite hungry and keen to know what we're going to be doing. They, right. they like to be informed. I think this yeah. is part of them trying to sort of, you know, as they usually try and control their experience. So mm. They want to know as much as they can. What yeah. are we doing? What's it called? This kind of thing. It, across the board, it's common for that, in my experience. For I think if, if you're investing or if your company's investing in you, mm. you kind of want to know it's not snake oil you're being sold. This, is, right. this is evidence-based stuff. That's right. And often we might, you know, in order to get buy-in, if there is any skepticism, yeah. share some, some research with them as well and talk to them at least about the kind of... Um, uh, sort of versatility of the model and how we can, can generalize yeah. the skills that they develop yeah. and act can be if they're coming in with a kind of mental health concern or stress yeah. or anxiety but thinking about the skills that we develop here are actually you know transferable into the into the workplace in terms of your mm. performance and edge sharpening and they love yeah. that you know so, yeah. so you get some real buying so that's a real convincer yeah I mean they you know I mean <laughs> Initially, I think there is some skepticism, uh, particularly mm. as there's, you know, we're, we're sort of inviting people to explore concepts of the self and mm. sort of you know, engage in, in meditative practices. Mm. And often people can be a bit, whoa, you know, what's all this yeah. about? Um, but I think that, you know, the fundamental principle of, of pragmatism, mm. you know, of kind of thinking about what works is what really appeals to people. Um, mm. You know, thinking about, well, we're not really trying to change anything that you're mm. doing necessarily. We're just having a look to see whether it's working for you or not. Mm. Um, you know, you're the expert of your experience. Is this something that, Love that. you yeah. know, is, is working for you or is it not working for you? So we invite people to, you know, track their own experience, to mm. learn from their own direct experience and to, to make choices themselves. Yeah. Uh, so we're not here to sort of tell them that they're wrong or that there's something psychologically broken about them mm. it's about them to sort of you know take this pragmatic view and, and i think that appeals to them they're yeah. they feel like they're in the driving seat which they are of course yeah. i'm not trying to take that away yeah. let their experience guide our process yeah um, yeah i was speaking to a guy today who said um you know you, you know i'll be in the sidecar and you can be you know on the, on the motorbike uh, driving us along oh. and i just love that and i said whoa oh, one blimey <laughs> i'm nicking that like, right now brilliant, man. isn't it <laughs> I got images of Wallace and Gromit as well. Excellent. But, um, yes. But so, so your clients in the sidecar. Right. This is where he saw himself. Okay. Where he positioned himself, and I would be driving the the motorbike. Right. And I said, well, that's interesting, you know. And and what makes you feel that you know I'm the one that's going to be driving us through this, and I'll be driving you along? He said, well, you're the you're the expert. You're the psychologist. Yeah. And I said, well, how about your experience is the expert in the scrim? How about oh. your experience tells us what oh, I love way we this. should be yeah. going? Should we be going this way or should we be yeah. going that way? And he said, oh, okay, I was getting, he's sort of on board with the idea. And I said, okay, well, you can sit in the sidecar for now if you want, but yeah. come back next week, we'll have a think about this. And maybe it's about us, you know, alternating between these two, two, oh, two chairs. Oh, man, that's so skillful. I love what and he was up you're working with what he gave you. Yeah, it was a really powerful metaphor. I mean, I, I, just like you, I got really excited. As well. Yeah. This is fantastic stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know. But we've got to listen out for this stuff, I think, and jump on it because it's yeah. really powerful. And I, I will keep using that metaphor, I think, now, yeah. And I'm going to nick it. You can have it. We can all use it. Man. Yeah, that's all you, you hear that, piece supers <laughs> We've got the new metaphor. 
Mike, what I want to ask you is what next? Is there anything bubbling away on the horizon that you think, oh, this is a new venture? Are there any new books in the pipeline? <laughs> <laughs> Mike's looking very alarmed now. <laughs> I didn't tell him I was going to ask this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. Yes. I'm actually... I've been ta- I'm taking a break from b- books at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah. So since as the, all good authors do, as the, yeah, yes, yeah. you know, I'm sort of sitting back. You're resting. I'm resting. I'm yeah. Really, yeah. Self care. <laughs> Self care. Yeah. And um, there's one bubbling away, maybe, but I'm not going to speak too much about it. No, right? don't. No, no, no. Um, as you mentioned earlier, we're doing the act space. There's something. Yeah. yeah. Now, and to my shame, I've only been to one so far. Shameful, absolutely shameful. I know. <laughs> but I did have a touch of man flu for the last one. You're forgiven. Oh, thank you. But yeah, tell us about the act space, because it's you and uh, so it's Dr. Mike Sinclair and it's Dr. Joe Oliver, There's, who are the dudes in charge. That's right, yes. So, I uh, think that's your official title. Now, official, you, yes, yeah. no, absolutely. It must be spoken of at all times, in yeah. way. Yeah. Um, John Borman's on board as well. Ah, okay. Yeah, if you know John, so he's I do. been around since... I met him once when I was slightly inebriated oh, in Edinburgh. I'm sure he was too, so I'm sure he was. I think he was. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so we, 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 you know, we really felt that there was a, a need for this. I mean, there's other places around yeah. the UK that have their own supervision groups mm. um, and kind of connecting groups. Um, there's something in London we wanted to set up. So we came up with this really snazzy name called the Act Space, which is an acronym for a supervision, practice and connecting event. Are you liking that, Ross? Do you know, I'm, love, I'm all over that, man. I, I never knew it stood for that. I'm going to hang on. Supervision. Supervision practice and connecting events. See what you've done, I love it. <laughs> Hats off to you boys, yeah. Thank you very much. Yes, it does what it, it says on the tin. That's yeah. exactly what we do. So there's not much else to say about it. But basically, <laughs> yeah. we but meet who's, every, it, who's it open to? It's open to everyone. So any any app practitioner there, I'd say. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's open to people from all disciplines. So you were there yourself. So it's yeah. not just mental health professionals. It's yeah. coaches, occupational psychologists, anyone yeah. that's using ACT in their work and has an opportunity to use it that wants to come along uh, be with other like-minded people mm. that are using apps, uh, share ideas, and particularly there's an experiential component. So it's about skills developing yeah. um, and development. We're getting there into groups, into doing role plays and real plays to practice and hone our app skills. Yeah, it's great fun. Yeah, it's just good to be around other people. That it it was good fun. It felt really welcoming. It felt really inclusive. A little bit stepping out of the old comfort zone. Doing I love the way you describe it as a real play. Yeah, so we, we try and you know encourage people to do real plays just yeah. for the authenticity of it, but also yeah. as you're saying, we try and you know model and embody the kind of major yeah. principles here. Okay, so Mike, you know uh, that I like to ask guests if we can distill everything down because we covered so much material in this conversation. Is there anything that you would you recommend or invite people to practice, like a nugget that we can take away and have a go at? Sure. Well, I, I knew you were going to ask me something like this, Ross. Yes. I knew you were going to do this. So Let's I did see. have a thing beforehand. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I thought, what could, what could be helpful for, for Ross, but also the people listening, in terms of, you know, what, what, what someone might be able to do in their working day to sort of, you right. know, um, help themselves to think about um, if they're coming up against a challenging situation or they're feeling particularly mm. stressed um, yeah. throughout the working day. So I've, I've come up with this acronym, which, um, you know, can guide us through a series of, of steps. Yeah, I love a good acronym, mate. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is an acronym of now, the word now, N-O-W. Right. Yeah? Okay. So the N yeah. is for notice. So sort of looking outside of you, mm. noticing what you can see, what you can hear. Mm-hmm. And then bringing your attention inside, internally, and noticing what you can hear your mind giving you. Oh, like those those thoughts about 
you're talking about your dictator. Absolutely. So noticing, yeah, so noticing what, your dictator yeah. or, mm-hmm. or your Mrs. Doubtfire. Exactly. Yeah, so noticing, they've stuck in my head. Yeah, your your helpful thoughts. I might even nick them. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Do carry on. I'm interrupt. But it's a good point, Ross, because we want to notice and, and name, if we can, sort of what we're experiencing. Yeah. So if we can sort of, you know, grasp kind of the qualities of this voice, like what's it, what's it remind you of? Yeah. It, have you got a name for it? Something mm. that can be most helpful, I think. And staying with the internal world, sort of what you notice, what, you, what you're feeling in your body and where you feel that the most. Right. You know, is it stress? Is it anxiety? Is it mm. frustration? Is there a sense of vulnerability? Mm. And naming it to yourself, yeah? There right. is stress. There is vulnerability. And then seeing if you can notice any urges that you're about to, or that you have, excuse mm. me, or any behaviors that you're actually doing at this time that are under the control of those thoughts and those feelings. Okay. Are you yeah. with me? So, yeah. sort of, what am I doing now with these thoughts and feelings in the driving seat? So, if, if my behavior is under the influence of that urge, like, oh, I really want to have a bag of crisps, what might I seem to be doing? Yeah, absolutely. What would we see you doing? It's just sort of going to the shop. Going through that process of buying a packet of crisps. Absolutely, yeah. So there's that those thoughts and those feelings yeah. that are driving your behavior. Okay. So noticing all that. Yeah. Then yeah. taking a moment to step into the next step of this acronym, which is O, which is open. Yeah. Right. So open up to all these experiences that you've noticed. Right. Right. Um, and see yourself as bigger than and containing of them. Allow them to pass through you. A bit right. like maybe imagining you're the sky and all these experiences are the clouds passing through. Right, right, yeah. To help you along with this, you might sort of breathe into some of these experiences, particularly the feelings that you're feeling in your body. Breathe into yeah. them, breathe in around them, creating space for them in your body. Hmm. And maybe thinking about turning to this vulnerable part of yourself and offering it some, some compassion. Maybe acknowledging that there's a part of you that feels vulnerable, speaking hmm. to it. Maybe saying, you know, this is hard. Mm. And we've got this, some words of encouragement. We've got this, simply. We've got this, I like that, yeah. And then the W is for a whole set of W words, really. Like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do right now instead if you're being the person that you really want to be in this moment? That's a great question. Yeah. Good one, yeah. It'd be quite helpful. I wouldn't go and buy Chris. No, what would you do? Maybe wouldn't buy anything. <laughs> or maybe I'd go and buy an orange. Nice. Because that brings us to the next question. So who and what's important about you being able to behave in this different way? Mm. What matters to you about going to buy an orange? Mm. And then really seeing where you can feel in your body how important that is to you. See if you can notice a sensation or a sense in yourself about this being important, this preferred behavior being important to you. Mm. And then we have a choice. For me, it's increasing that behavioral repertoire. When I notice that urge, I don't have to... There's, there's an alternative. Absolutely, yeah. So right. we're, we're taking a moment. We're, 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 you know, we're it's perspective taking. We're, we're looking yeah. at what's going on inside of us. We're coming off autopilot. Yeah, and we're looking mm. at what we were tending to do under, yeah. you know, the control of these thoughts and feelings influenced by them, and then you know maybe responding to them in a different way. Let's just recap on the acronym, if you don't mind, Mike. So it's now N O W. Yeah. So N is for noticing. N is for noticing. Yeah. Noticing your internal and external experiences in that moment. O is for being open, opening up to these experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe offering yourself some compassion as well. Like that, yeah. 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 Um, and then the W is what's important right now to you. Right. But asking yourself these questions of if you were being the person you really want to be, what would we see you doing? Love it. 
Love it. I'm going to give it a go. Give it a go. Because it's, it's a new one on me. Is it one you've just created? Been buzzing around the last few days. But, you know, it's, okay. it, yeah, it's something. So this is, this is an exclusive. I'm going to call this an exclusive, mate. Well, it's kind of rehashed stuff, but it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, take pride in okay, it, man. I'll go with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. PCPers, it's an exclusive. <laughs> this is the now acronym. You heard it here first. And I love it. Thanks, man. Thanks, You're thanks for developing that and giving it some thought. Really yeah. appreciate that. And thanks. I knew you were going to ask for for something, so I thought I'd yeah. come up with something. There you go. Yes. And thanks for being <laughs> such a wonderful guest. It's thank great to see you, number one. But thank you for willing your willingness to to go on record and share some of your insights from your work and also your personal experience. Like I say, I think the more we can normalise that, I think it, the better. So thank you so much and. Thank you for having me, Ross. I really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, yeah I, hope it's, I hope it's helpful to some degree to some people. And thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed the time. Today. Thank you. Right. Let's let's um, put this in the can and go for a beer. There's, there's a well overdue beer, I think. Yeah. yeah. Let's go for it. Right. Adios, P-Supers. We're off for a beer, but thanks for listening. Thank you. See you later. Hey, P-Supers. That's about it. I'm now back from the pub. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did recording it like to thank Mike once again, very sincerely. But most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd love to hear what you think, so if you'd like to get in touch, please drop me a line on email at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at peoplesouppod. And on Instagram, we're at people.soup. Please do get in touch. I notice I've had a couple of new reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now known. And I'd like to thank you very sincerely for those. I'll give you a proper shout out next week. Thanks to Andy Glenn, as ever, for the spoon magic. That's about it. So I wish you all a great week. Look forward to catching up very soon. And bye for now. Done. Done. Well done, man. Ah! I think it's perfect. Do you think so? Yeah, I think it's great.